and we're in a series, and the series is how to get through what you're going through. We talked about the struggle, we talked about um, (laughs) surrender, and today we're going to talk about submit. And I want to start with a statement I think that we all can agree on. Life doesn't always turn out the way we planned. Whenever I've asked this question, nobody ever raises their hand. And if somebody had in the past, we certainly wouldn't after what 2020 has brought us, I'm sure. And maybe that's part of what you and I are feeling through this pandemic. Uh, Life isn't turning out the way we planned. I had never in 40 years of ministry imagined there'd be, what are we, about seven weeks in now of Sundays, the church could not meet in person. I I just couldn't imagine that. Someone was sharing with me, two people, they had to get a letter to go get a haircut. Who would ever (laughs) imagined that? Also, when we think about this, well, one of the things that brings me sadness, I got thinking about a a, a person, a lady in our church, last summer planned this big trip to Hawaii to celebrate, I believe, her birthday. And she got there, and it was like a hurricane, and she couldn't do anything, and I thought, felt so bad for her. See, life doesn't always turn out like we planned. And what we often do is then ask the question, why? (laughs) Why isn't it turning out like we planned? Why is this pandemic happening? Why did I lose my job? Why can't the church meet together? And the other response is normally this. That's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair we can't meet together. It's not fair that this has happened. It's not fair that this lady didn't get to enjoy her time in Hawaii last year. It's just not fair. So with that introduction, let's give you a little review or catch up on what we've done the last couple weeks. We talked about three stages of spiritual journey. First, being confident in faith. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, it is so fantastic. I call it like the honeymoon stage. Everything is good. God seems to be answering your prayer. He seems to be giving you his full attention. Uh, when you read something and you obey, you, the, the rewards seem to be uh, uh, coming instantaneously. And life seems good. Then we talked about the third stage of faith. third stage of faith is what I'm calling a living faith. Now that's a faith kind of like the covenant faith stage, except what, things don't have to be going your way. God doesn't have to be answering the prayers <laughs> the way you want. Uh, you still have this confident faith. You still have this peace. You have this assurance that God's in control and, and you can trust the promises of God. The question is, how do we get from confident faith to living faith? And so that's what really the series has been about. And it's about challenged faith. When things don't go like we expected, when things don't seem like they're fair, uh, when we ask the question, why? And we might even be asking the question, does God even exist? Or more likely, we, we don't trust in the character of God. God, are you really, truly who you say you are? So in this series, we've been talking about <clears throat> um, how to get through what you're going through. It could be the pandemic, it could be something else. So here's part of the key. Our response to times of challenge faith, and this is probably one for all of us, is crucial. Our response is crucial. And we've been looking at the Israelites back in the time they left Egypt, and they got about a guy named Moses. And 
they left Egypt, was a civilized, uh, civilized country at the time, and they went into the desert. Eventually, they were headed for the promised land, but they wound up in the desert. And this seems like a desert time to many of us. It didn't really seem like a rescue. If you're going from a nice established society, even if you're a slave, going to live out in the, in, in the desert. And they question God's goodness, and you and I often question God's goodness. And I shared this illustration uh, Friday, if you were listening. It really helps me get a perspective on God's goodness. There's a story about a lumberjack. And a lumberjack was, was assigned to cut down some trees. He goes to this first tree, and there's a bird that's built a nest in the tree. And he doesn't want to kill the bird. And so he makes enough noise and does whatever he can to get the, the bird to fly off and build his nest somewhere else. And he cuts down the tree. Some time goes by. He comes to another tree with the same bird. has built the second nest. And again, he doesn't want to bring harm to the bird. So he makes some, some commotion and some disturbance. And the bird flies away to another tree and he cuts the tree down. This happens a third time that the bird built a nest in another tree. And, and so he doesn't want to kill the bird. So eventually the bird flies away and builds a nest on a rock cliff. And so the bird's okay. Now, from the bird's perspective, the bird is thinking, wow, this is a lot of work. It's unnecessary work. I had to build my house four times. Uh, this is really inconvenient. Uh, it's been hard. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, if he thinks about the Lumberjack, what are his thoughts? Well, this guy is mean. He's, un, he's being unkind to me. He's, cut, he's made me lose my home several times. But let, let me ask you a simple question. What was the motivation of the lumberjack? Was it to be cruel or unkind? Now, I like the word compassion. He was being compassionate to the bird, even though to the bird it didn't seem that way. And so we may be in that situation of the bird right now. And we may be questioning God's goodness, but never, ever question God's goodness. So we've been talking about the Israelites. They left Egypt. Uh, they're out in the desert. And then um, <clears throat> today we're going to fast forward to the end of the story. And it's actually 40 or 39 years later, the end of the story. Um, and we're going to read in, this is chapter, the end of Deuteronomy, the end of what we've the Bible tells us about Moses. Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed Pishka Peak, which is across from Jericho. Now, this, this was ironic or coincidental. Uh, on, uh, we're going to show you a picture. On May 1st last year, my wife and I were there. This is my wife riding a camel. <laughs> this is in Jericho. And there's Pishka, Pe Pishka Peak in the background. And uh, so that's what it looked like. And he's on this peak and he's looking out and he's seeing for miles and miles and you can uh, from the heights there. And that's Moses' situation. Forty years after God asked him to go help the Israelites get out of Egypt. And the text goes on. And the Lord showed him the whole land. Gilead as far as Dan, all the land of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah, extending to the Mediterranean Sea. The Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, we just showed you. The city of the Palms as far as Zoar. So, Moses is there. 
It's been 40 years. I've been a pastor almost 40 years. So basically my whole career, I've been waiting to get there. Moses has been waiting to get where he is right now. Where God told him about 40 years old, old, uh, earlier, I'm, you're going to lead my people, the Israelites, to the promised land. So he's standing there on this mountaintop looking this promise that's been fulfilled 40 years later, right? Pretty exciting. And the text goes on. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can read about them in the book of Genesis. When I said, I will give it to your descendants. So God said, I'm going to give you this land. Now, (laughs) there's work involved in giving, but God said, I'm going to give it to you. He says, I have now allowed you to see it. Fantastic. Great. See it with his own eyes, actually. But you, meaning Moses, will not enter the land. What? Wait a minute. Forty years. I've obeyed you, God. I've served you. I've led the Israelites out. I've governed them. I've taken all their flack. I've prayed for them. And this was supposed to be my reward. You're letting me see it, but not experience it? And the text says, Moses, servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like this part of the story. It doesn't seem fair, does it? And what about you? Does your situation now seem fair? I don't know. As far as the church is concerned about these mission trips we had to cancel, it doesn't seem fair. So each week I've been asking you to write down your biggest challenge right now, your biggest uh, not fair. <laughs> Your biggest uh, why question. It could be about the pandemic or it could be about something else, some relationship, could be some financial relation, uh, issue, whatever it is. Uh, so write down you're not fair. We'll come back to that again at the end. But it reminded me of something that really important, the adage we have in our society, is to enjoy the journey. You know, I don't know what it might be. I went to the six and a half years of college. Hopefully I enjoyed the journey. It wasn't about, oh, I got to get through the six and a half years so I can, you know, get a job afterwards as a pastor. Enjoy the journey. Uh, so one thing I've been trying to focus on during this, this pandemic, we don't know how long it's going to last, is trying to enjoy the journey. Now, so we fast forward to the end of the story. I don't know about you, but if you ever... Uh, um, read the end of the book <laughs> first, or we've all watched a movie for the second time, we know how it's going to end. Uh, so we know how it's going to end. Well, let's f- rewind 39 years. We're back in Numbers chapter 13. Now it's important, uh, let's read the verse, verse for two verses. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan. See, 39 years older, earlier, they were at the same place where Moses is, where we just read. They were on the border of the, of the promised land. He says, uh, 
the land I'm giving the Israelites, send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So he sends out these 12 scouts to check it out. Now, anytime we're making a decision, we need to figure out what we need to know and how do we get that information. Now, today we just kind of Google it. So he sends these 12 guys out to check out the land that God has said he's given it to them. And there are some complications. So let's skip down a few verses. This was their report to Moses. They went out and they came back. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful county, a country. So God said, it's going to be bountiful, <laughs> and it was. God doesn't lie. Describe it this way, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they brought back these huge, you know, grapes and figs and all these other things. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Wow, this is good news, right? We're here, God's promised, He's going to give it to us, and it's bountiful like He says. Now, I always say whenever the Scripture uses the word but, is really important. And we're going to see, I think, three verses in a row with the word but. But, the people living there are powerful. It's just, you know, nobody there. There are people there. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Okay, so it's bountiful like God has promised, but there is a complication. There is a barrier. There's a problem. All right, then one of the spies speaks up. His name was Caleb. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. Well, didn't you hear about the giant? <laughs> we can certainly conquer it. All right, there's challenges, there's problems, but obviously with God's help, we can conquer it. He's promised us this. But, going to the next verse, but the other men, actually 10 of the 12, explored the land, explored the land with him, disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Now, that's true. The people living there, especially if they're a giant, they are stronger than the Israelites. The question is, are they stronger than the Israelites' God? Are they stronger than Yahweh? And, of course, Caleb's saying, no, they're not. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. So it's a question of focus, and it's a lesson for all of us all the time. Do we focus on the obstacle or do we focus on the solution? Do we focus on the all-powerful God that we have access to to help us get through the issue? And so, consequently, they refused to go in. God promised it. God instructed them to do this, maybe even ordered them to do this. They pushed back. They refused. And again, they wandered around in the desert instead of enjoying the bounty here for 39. In fact, a whole generation of people died, not Caleb and Joshua, but everybody else died that, that could have experienced this. Um, things unfair. Uh, what seems unfair in your life and my life? And we all can ask the question, well, what if I? What if I had planned for this? It's kind of hard to plan for this, but plan for the unknown future. If I had done a better job financially or, or uh, relationally or whatever. What if? So it brings us back to that question, that we all ask, why am I suffering? Why is our nation? Why is the country? Why is the church? Why do we suffer? 
let me just say this. <laughs> Any answer that you may find is pretty much empty. It doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it any easier. It's still hard. Now, we talked about this. There's basically three causes of the issues you and I have or things we suffer. Some we bring upon ourselves by dumb decisions. If I spend more money than I make, then I wind up with you know, debt and I can't pay and the headaches with that. So we bring it on ourselves. If I mistreat somebody in a relationship, if they draw back from me, then I brought that on. We've all suffered from what other people have done. Uh, maybe you're suffering consequences of your parents splitting up when you were a kid. Uh, you're suffering the consequences of, uh, I said it this way, if somebody hits my thumb with a hammer, uh, I'm suffering the pain that somebody else caused. But then there's the th third category in the pandemic. <laughs> Don't believe all that stuff on the internet. The pandemic is probably has no cause that we, we can point to. So whatever the cause, ourselves, somebody else, just, you know, life. Honestly, most of the time, we don't get an answer to that question. Why do we suffer? But I really want to encourage you to, to ask a different question, a more important question. Here it is. How will we respond to suffering? How am I going to react to suffering? Because we all suffer, often don't know why. So the question is, or the better question is, the, the beneficial question uh, is this. How will we or how will I respond to suffering? I don't know if you're familiar with the name Viktor Frankl. He also, like uh, Corey Ten Boom last week we talked about, suffered in concentration death camps. And he survived uh, several camps, but he was observer of the other folks, and he saw people suffering and dying. He saw people actually sharing little food they had with others um, and going without. And here's just a short excerpt from a book he wrote called Man's Search for Meaning. Suffering in of itself is meaningless. It has no meaning. It's suffering. We give our suffering meaning. So we can give it meaning. But how? By the way in which we respond to it. Forces beyond your control, his case the Nazis, our case the pandemic, can take away everything you possess except one thing. And of course, pandemic hasn't taken a lot of stuff from us. Your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. So I don't know what you wrote down earlier. I don't know what you know, your greatest unfairness is. I don't know what you're suffering. But it can be meaningless. Or we can give our pain and suffering meaning. So how? Again, what did you write down? Was it something relationally? Was it something financial? Was it something uh, physical? Uh, was it some mourning? Uh, some, uh, a lady our, from our community died, uh, I think yesterday, day before, 35 years old from cancer. Uh, that family suffering grief 
We can give our pain and suffering meaning. How? By how we respond. By how we respond. And as this pandemic goes on and on, it becomes more critical. And so I'm going to give you two suggestive ways or two constructive ways to respond to pain and suffering. The first one's this. Let suffering transform you and I. Let suffering transform us. Now, there's all kinds of examples of this. We bring pain and suffering to ourselves for the purpose of transformation. Most of you know I'm a long-distance runner, mostly trail runner. I've run not just marathons, but ultra-marathons. That's more than 26 miles. I've ran quite a few of them. Now, I can't wake up one day and just run one. <laughs> My body won't be able to do that. So I train for months and I run mile after mile after mile. Do you think that's painful? It's kind of a crazy pain, yeah. Uh, I thought about athletes, other athletes, in whatever sports arena they're in. I thought about folks in the military. You see pictures of these young men going in. Some of them are skinny little guys like me, and some of them are overweight guys, and they go through spring training, and after six or eight weeks, their body's been transformed, right? But through a lot of pain and suffering. Then there's other types, like fasting. Sometimes we'll go without food for the benefit of uh, greater connection with God. It's painful, <laughs> uh, but we're seeking a benefit. We know of people that have sacrificed organs, <laughs> Giving a, a kidney to someone in need. That's painful. That's suffering. But it brings transformation. What ways does this transform us? Well, the physical exercise transforms us physically. But pain and suffering has a way of transforming us, our character, growing us, maturing us. Um, it, it transforms our values. This is interesting. In this pandemic going on, things that we thought were so important and valued so much have been taken away from us. And some of those things, why? <laughs> they weren't really that valuable after all. And then we're discovering or rediscovering some things that we had kind of pushed to the side really are things that we should value. So let suffering transform you, whether it's physically or emotionally, certainly spiritually, let it help you grow. And then secondly, let suffering remind us of the bigger story. Now, let me ask you a simple question. Was Moses a failure? Didn't get to the promised land. Was Moses a failure? He's one of the most familiar names in history of the world, all over the world. Three major religions of the world celebrate this guy. He didn't get to his final destination, to his, his goal. So let's go back to where, after Moses dies, how the Scripture, the Bible, describes Moses. Um, there has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Until, of course, Jesus Christ comes along. Never been another prophet in Israel like Moses. He was the greatest prophet that ever lived until Jesus came along. But he didn't get into the promised land. But his relationship with God, you go back 
and read those early chapters in Exodus, each chapter starts with a phrase, God said to Moses, God said to Moses, God said to Moses. He was in direct communication with Yahweh God, God of the universe. And then the, I believe the text ends this way. <clears throat> The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh. You can read about those, all those plagues. And all his servants and his entire land. With mighty power. Whose power? God's power. Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. So Moses had a huge role to play in God's history, God's story, uh, especially connected to God's, God's people, the Israelites. He spent the 40 year, first 40 years of his life, it's interesting, Moses, in Egypt as kind of adopted son of the Pharaoh. He lived in the palace. Then he lived the next 40 years in the desert, kind of cut off from civilization. And then he spent the next 40 years of his life Obeying God, leading this difficult group of people through a very difficult time, and yet never got to the promised land. We could say of Moses, he evidently enjoyed the journey, enjoyed the, the growth of his relationship with God. So let me ask you, what is your part? in God's bigger story. We just canceled two of our mission trips and I made the comment to some of our folks here and a few people that are here, well, God's got something else planned. The mission trips were great and we did those and that was, we were being part of God's story. We're going to be part of a different part of God's story this year. It's so important to remember you and I have a part. You might think it's a big part. But if we're being obedient to God, whatever it is, it's huge in a relationship with God. So I'm going to leave you, with, like we usually do, with some think-abouts. And so those two questions. Hopefully you'll think about them this week. Will you allow your pain to transform you? Maybe the thing you wrote down, the thing that you consider not fair. Um, we all have multiple pain, relationship pain, financial pain, physical pain, other things. All right. You want to just complain about it? You want to... Initially, I was kind of paralyzed by this whole pandemic, not knowing what to do. Or are you going to let it transform you? You're going to let good come from it. And will you allow it to remind you of God's bigger story? The Israelites, we talked about this last week... <laughs> They saw the plagues, they got to the Red Sea, and they think that they're trapped, and they start complaining, and they've forgotten. <laughs> the God that performed all these plagues is the same God now that we're at the Red Sea. And of course, God delivered them at the Red Sea. And later, they don't have food and water, and they complain again. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The God that performed the plagues and divided the Red Sea is the same God. And so it's important for you and I to remember how we've been part of the big story, or God's greater story in the past. In the future, it's not going to be any different. God wants you to be part of His bigger story. 
Let me pray with you all. Pray specifically about these two things. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for this illustration of Moses and Israelites. And it's easy to think it wasn't fair. <laughs> um, it's easy for us to think it's not fair what we're going through. Um, but God, we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a world with pain and suffering. And so the question is, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to respond rather than fuss and complain it's not fair? So I pray for those that are listening. That they'll, they'll take this seriously. They'll all take this seriously. Maybe ask the question. Pray the prayer. God, how do you want to transform me through this? In my relationships, transform the church, transform me uh, financially, transform me vocationally. God, what do you want to do? And secondly, help us to see how we're part of your greater story. We can look back and see. It's hard to see right now, maybe. But hopefully we're looking and believing that we're part. And as always, we want to pray for anyone, God, that's not stepped into faith. If you're listening, we're so delighted that you're listening. But how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to what you heard? How are you going to respond to a God that says, hey, I want to have a relationship with you like I have with Moses? I want to communicate with you. I want to forgive you so you can have that relationship with me. I want you to be part of my story. I want you to spend eternity with me in heaven when you die. Moses, Moses is sitting with God. Even now. It's a step of faith, obviously. Can't see God. But if you have a desire to do that, we talk about the Holy Spirit. That's one ramification of God. Or, and He goes about speaking to minds and hearts. And if you've got a tug or inclination that way, that's God saying, hey, please, I love you. Please accept my gift. I mean, if you're doubting God's goodness, remember the bird and the, and the lumberjack. God is compassionate. Even if we can't see it. God, we thank you for this medium. We thank you that we can worship even though we're in all these different locations. And we know this is going to end. And we look forward to the time when we can be back to what's going to be a new normal. And it will be exciting to see. And we thank you in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.